Welcome to Power Fueled Living, Spirit, Soul, and Body. Through Christ, we can thrive in every area of our lives. I'm your host, Lisa Hooks, and I'm excited about today's show. Today I have with me Sue McGray, and we'll discuss what she has learned in the smokehouse. Stay tuned. Welcome to Power Fuel Living. I am so excited about today's show because I have with me author and speaker, Sue McRae. Thank you so much for joining me today, Thank Sue. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Sue, I have known you now for several years, and you have had such an amazing life. I mean, the things that God has brought you through and, and blessed you yes, even. Yes, I've been very blessed. Yes, yes. Very blessed. And so I am excited to hear about the lessons that you have learned in the smokehouse because I know that they are going to be a blessing to my studio audience. So Sue, tell me about the smokehouse. Well, as a young child, uh, I had two older brothers and my parents really knew what to do with them when they were not behaving. They just got the peach tree switch and, and you know, paddled their behind and they didn't want to do that with me, so they locked me up in the smokehouse. Now the smokehouse was out back. I grew up in the country. And it was out back, and it's where my dad uh, seasoned the hams, you know, uh, would kill the meat, the pigs in the wintertime, and that's where the, the, the meat was cured. And, I w and it was dark and cold, and it made me so mad. I mean, I was acting much worse after I got in there than I was before I was locked up. Now, what age were you Well, it was this about time? five or six, okay. I think. And, and I don't think that my parents had... Ill, I mean, they didn't do it to be mean. They just didn't know what to do with me, I guess. I, I don't know if I had a temper or what. I don't know. But it seemed like every afternoon I got put in the smokehouse. And I learned that by having expressions, by telling, saying what I felt and, and who I was, then I got punished for it. So each time that I would go in there, I would just realize that, that in order to survive, I was going to have to chill out and not know anything, not be anything, just become a nothing. Just have no voice. Have zero voice, absolutely, mm. even as a young child. I, I can imagine how scary that must have been that for you. That was scary. That was scary. Yeah. yeah. And so did you, did you develop a fear of the smokehouse or fear of certain environments, confinements, in, Anything like I that? think it was more geared toward um, not having any feelings, not expressing myself, okay. uh, being a good girl, doing what I was supposed well, to that do. Was, okay. and, and that part's okay. It's just that it went to the extreme for me and the way the rest of my life went. Yeah. So that was, that was just maybe um, one component that could have been so many under the circumstances. Well, but it extended when I was an adult and got married way too young and was not emotionally, mentally mm -hmm. ready to get married, but I didn't know the red flags. And so 
I got put in the smokehouse emotionally mm. many times over my, in my first marriage. And I didn't realize it until one day I realized I was standing outside in my mind, this smokehouse, and how I was not supposed to have any thoughts or feelings or know anything. And so I became nothing. I became a nothing. And I did that as long as I could. And then one day I got up and dusted myself off and said, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Let's back up just a little bit. So when you were growing up then, because you felt like you had no voice, because you could not um, be expressive, tell me a little more about how that worked against you or how that was like for you during your adolescence into your teen years. Well, um, I was very shy okay. and very uh, insecure. I think probably more insecure than anything. And my high school years, I didn't know anybody. And so, and, and went back to a high school reunion at one point, and they uh, nominated me as the most changed person there. It's wow. like, who is this person? Because I <laughs> kind of been a light bloomer and I'd blossomed yeah. and I started talking to people. But Lisa, something else added to that, learning how to shut myself down. Um, I was a junior in high school, and my folks moved us to Donaldson area, Donaldson, Tennessee. And um, we lived in a, a, a big house with several other families. We had a very difficult time. My dad was a bivocational pastor, didn't make very much money, and, and we uh, really had a hard time making it financially. And so we had this house. Till today, I can smell that house. Mm. It smells like smelled like um, funeral home flowers oh, that my. was old or something like that. Mm -hmm. But in the fall, right after we'd moved there in August, in that fall, uh, we were catching the bus along with the other kids from that house, and I got on as you know we were just doing it, getting on, and the bus driver went down to the next stop. And at that point, the children getting on the stop reached out and picked up a shoe. And they, you know, kids, they just laughed. And I saw the shoe and knew that it was Ann's shoe, my little sister's shoe. And so I ran back up the hill, and she was laying in the, in the road. And I didn't know that the bus had literally run over her little oh, body. Oh, my Lord. I did not know that. Now, Ann was my child. I did not give birth to her. Mm. She was mine. I cut her hair. I made her clothes. She was mine. I did everything because my mom had to go to work. And so she was mine. And, you know, back in those days, children didn't get counseling like they do today. Uh, it was just kind of, you know, people talked to my parents and can sold mm -hmm. them, but as children, we didn't get anything. Right, right. We, and, were, we were pretty much not seen and heard and you're you not know, during traumas hurt. and all of that. Well, this, this totally changed who I was. It changed me till this day. And if I get a chance to talk about it to somebody, I always do. Mm -hmm. And if I cry a little bit, people feel bad, and I say, no, it's therapy for me. Mm -hmm. It helps me. Yeah. But that day... After we, I went to the hospital, my parents met, met us there, and, and the reality hit. I went out back, Lisa, and I found a stick. And I literally 
dug a hole, a dark black deep hole, and I buried, on purpose, I buried all my feelings. I buried what I didn't lose in the smokehouse. I buried in that hole that day. And I vowed to myself, Sue, you will never hurt like this again. You won't ever allow yourself to be this hurt. I would dream that it was, that it hadn't happened and, and the next day she was, the, and then I'd realize my sister's gone. Mm -hmm. And so the impact that that made on me I have a, a picture of her hanging in my home, but that picture hung over the mantle at my mom and dad's. But do you know, we never talked about it. Yeah, we never I believe brought that. It up. No. I believe that. I yeah. believe that. You know, we make inner vows when we're deeply hurt, when we're deeply wounded, when we've experienced trauma, when we've, when we've experienced crisis. We make these inner vows to protect ourselves. You have to. But unfortunately, those inner vows are the same things that end up hurting us as we mature, as years go on, well into old age even. Yeah. Those inner vows really can hinder, can hamper God's purpose, His will for our lives, our livelihood, our quality of life, our mental health, our emotional health. Mm -hmm. health. But yeah, inner vows are, are there to protect us, but they can be very harmful. And I believe that God's, in God's wisdom, he gave me a little girl, yeah. Amanda, Amanda. I often would call her Anne, and you know, it would just slip out. But Amanda just set out to make me talk about Anne. Nobody else had ever done that. Mm -hmm. Nobody else gave me a moment about mm -hmm. Anne. And she would ask me questions, and she'd say, now, Mama, come on, you can talk about it. Tell me about yeah. that today. And through that, it really made, uh, it, it helped me to start to grow. Yeah. Now, in the process, I've had a lot of counseling. I believe everybody yeah. needs counseling. Everybody, <laughs> everybody needs counseling. We need somebody to bounce things <laughs> off right. of because, right. you know, when we just think thoughts, we just go in a circle. Yeah. But when we talk to somebody else, even if, 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 you're, you're, if you were my coach, Lisa, I know you're a professional coach. If, if, if you were my coach and you didn't say a word, but you smiled at me, and I had a chance to talk, it'd make me feel better. Mm -hmm. yeah. It does. Through that process and, and getting married so young as I did, um, I became very codependent. And again, invisible, mm -hmm. invisible. Um, I, I didn't, ha like you said, I didn't have a voice. I didn't have that self-worth. If nobody else sees me, then I can't see myself for sure. Or if I can't see myself, I know you can't see me. So I believed that I was invisible. I was just kind of going through, through life. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a, had a friend to say to me, Sue, don't let what you've lived be wasted. That's some truth right there. That is, and, and so That's that was the right nucleus, I guess, yeah. of, of writing my book. And even though I wanted my five granddaughters to, to know about my journey, um, that one thing is because when it's all said and done, I want to feel like I've made a difference. Sure. I want to feel like that my life meant something to somebody. Well, and, and that's what God wants for us. I think so too. I believe that. You and so I feel like with, with the things that I've learned in the smokehouse that, that and, and in speaking, I've, I've found that a lot of women, sometimes I'll just have a room full of people crying because they can relate to my story yeah. because so many times they feel invisible too. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, your story lends to a lot of feelings because, wow, you feel like your parents used the smokehouse as discipline. A lot of people were locked in closets. A lot of people mm -hmm. were locked mm -hmm. in bathrooms sure. and things like that where they have experienced actual abuse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they also have made inner vows. They also have had the thoughts, I'm useless, I'm no good, my parents does, don't love me. You know, all those things that the enemy wants you to believe. Absolutely. And so parents, we need to be really, really aware of that. What is God warning you about concerning your children? What is he saying to you? Do not be complacent. Hear what God is saying so that he can help you navigate and maneuver in your children's lives and protect them from the enemy. Sue, your yes, book, yes, let's talk yes, about let's that talk real about quick it. because yes, about it. it was becoming visible, letting go of the things that hide your true beauty. Okay, so this came from the childhood as well as your marriage. Tell My us marriage. about it. Well, you know, I, I believe that God puts people in their lives for sometimes a moment, sometimes for a long time, but one day I ended up in the back room of a friend in a small town who had a drugstore. I don't know, it was like super deep. They were still around and her and her husband were pharmacists and I was sitting on a box in her back room and my friend Patty looked at me. Now she had no way of knowing we'd not been around each other. I certainly hadn't talked to her by phone. We had not been together or she didn't know anything about what was going on and she said to me, Sue, what is it going to take? Wow. Mm. That, that phrase changed my life. That phrase woke me up. And at first I thought, oh no, is something going to happen to my daughter? Now I have a son and a daughter and now a stepdaughter. But, you know, sometimes you just are so close to somebody that that's your prominent thought. Mm -hmm. And so I just started bawling. My marriage was totally falling apart. Now, I'd been raised all my life that there had been no divorces in my family. I'd been raised that you do not get divorced. No, you just don't get divorced. And, you know, back in those days, domestic violence wasn't talked about. That's right. It, it was That's right. under and, the and rug. And actually, it was allowed. It was allowed. And, yeah, and whatever yeah. happens, you yeah. just don't air your, mm -hmm. your family things. And so I knew it would hurt my mom and dad so badly. I just could not imagine hurting them. And so I just kept going along and, and things kept getting worse and worse. And, and there came the day that some really bad things happened. I had to run and, and he threatened to, to kill me and, and a lot of stuff. And, and um, I mean, I just never envisioned divorcing yeah, just never yeah, yeah. but you know God spoke to me one day I'd gone to lunch with him and and I went to the salad bar and I was beginning to pick up some lettuce and he's ordering from the menu and this voice came I've never had an experience like this in my life it was so unexpected and the words were the lake the lake the lake now we weren't going to the lake we didn't have a boat we didn't go fishing. We didn't go to the lake. And I came back and I sat down and I thought, well, what am I supposed to do with this? I put my plate down and I looked at him and I said, did you go to the lake this weekend? 
Oh my goodness, he jumped up, ran and paid the bill. We hadn't even eaten. Got me out of there and said, I knew it. I knew, I knew you had a PI after me. I knew you were having somebody watch me. And I'm like, God, what's going on here? I couldn't tell anybody. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. scene between. So he called both of the, the kids, and they were out on their own by then. And he said, well, you know, a PI has caught me, and I just want you all to know that I was just there to call it off. And so... He, he, had, he was having an affair, and they were at the lake. And they so, were at the lake, and I didn't know he, that. Oh, my and God, God, gave, God, God gave you a word me, of knowledge. God told me <sighs> to ask about the lake. I mean, that just, like, and, and so that gave me the courage then to say, okay, God, okay, God, you know. And, and, and you know, you have to make a stand sometimes, you Lisa. Do. You, you do. have to say, do I really want my, my son to treat his family this way? Do mm -hmm. I really want my daughter to put up with this? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of the kind of person, I am the kind of person that I can do things for other people. So again, on that day when I left, he had called my parents and told them that he was going to kill me. And that released them. That yeah. re totally released them to support me then. They didn't know anything was going on. But after that phone call, buddy, they were, they were supportive and and just doing whatever they could do to, to love me. My goodness. And so when my friend said, don't let what you've lived be wasted, I, I thought, how, how can somebody else learn something from this? Mm -hmm. Because I am for family, I am for marriage, I never advocate divorce. But there comes a time that you have to take care of yourself you and your family. You, you have to do that. And, and God gave you that out because he obviously saw he that did. you could not do it on your own. I could own. not do it on my own. God, you know, we, we know that the word says that God hates divorce, but we also know that God hates for his children to be abused yes. because that is why he gave the certificate of divorce to begin with mm. because the men were misusing their wives and killing their wives and hurting their wives abusing their wives and he gave Moses the certificate of divorce so see you have to make sure there's some balance there and 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 Jesus said you know adultery adultery is definitely a reason yes, for divorce it is. now <laughs> is there is there um, should there be among Christians in particular should there be the desire to keep that marriage, to hold on to that marriage, to heal that marriage, absolutely. Well, absolutely, and, oh and just like we talked about coaching and counseling, I believe in it so much because mm -hmm. it helped me. But I think when it really came down to feel, of making a, a decision mm -hmm. for me, I was having all these people say, you don't deserve this, you deserve to be happy, you, you know, and I really mm -hmm. consciously said, I can't do that. I have to walk the way God sends yeah, me. Yeah. And once I did, and I moved into that one-bedroom apartment with nothing, I had such total peace. But for me, and that's all we can talk about, is, right, is right, for right. Our, our experiences, is, is that, that I had to do it, I had to walk it myself. Mm -hmm. I couldn't take a friend or somebody who would side with me. I couldn't, I, I had to know that I had given it everything I had. And, and when I had given it everything I had, 
oh my goodness, God has blessed me in so many mm -hmm. ways. But mm -hmm. before we talk about that, I, I want to talk about forgiveness. Okay. I think that we, we have to forgive. Yes, absolutely. If we carry that resentment and bitterness around, it ruins the rest of our life. So, you know, sometimes I, I've learned for me is that instead of asking God to change the circumstances around me, is God, change my heart. Teach my heart your ways. Mm. What do you want me to do? That's How wisdom. do you want me to, to share with other people? It's not my circumstances, but change my heart. And because that, it changes your perspective, doesn't it? Does. It? it does. It opens up the door for God to do so much more. And, and you know, people can tell. People can tell. Children can tell. Yeah. Adult children can tell, especially. If you're still hanging on to resentment or bitterness, that just will ruin yes, your yes, life. And yes. I'm so grateful that, that that's been released. And I think for anybody that's got whatever it is, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. And whatever it is, and a lot of times we as humans bring stuff on ourselves. Oh, my goodness, uh, most times. And we have to forgive ourselves. Yeah, we have yeah. to release it and, and enjoy every day yeah. that God has given us. Yeah, to, to, to go before God and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Yeah. Renew a righteous spirit within me. Yeah. Because I think sometimes as Christians we forget that we can get so weighed down by pain and anger and bitterness that we find ourselves in sin. That's sin. That is sin. That does not please God. And so we have to repent. We have to go to him and acknowledge, Lord, I'm hurting. I'm angry. This is not pleasing to you. This is sin. And the word tells us that to do right, to, to, to know to do right and not do it is sin. Yeah. So we got to call it out because that's how the enemy can keep us in bondage. And, and I think worry is, I know worry yeah. is yeah. also because yeah. you can't yeah. have faith and worry at the same you time. Can't. Now I you know can't. there's, there's a, a moment that you can hurt and you can uh, be concerned about, right. about something, but you just... You know, yeah. we're not, none Fear of us have arrived. God tells us we're, we're not supposed to be anxious for anything mm -hmm. and we're not supposed to fear. Now, that's easier said than done, it right? It is. But when we do it through Christ, walk by the spirit and not by the flesh, when we do it through Christ and allow him to build that up in us, because for a lot of us, it is a building. Yes. yes. You know? And, and I, Lisa, none of us have arrived. I certainly oh, have not arrived. No. I still have. I don't, I don't think we ever will. I still will. have times of, Until of worry comes. or resentment <laughs> or, or all yeah. of those ugly things. You know, I, I still do at times. But it's my, it's my purpose is to let go and yeah. just, you know, yeah. just live in the moment. And what is it, God? What doors are you going to yeah. open? What doors am I supposed to walk in? What doors am I not supposed to walk in? Yeah. You know, it, and, and we have to remember who we're dealing with. We have an enemy yes. and it's his job to remind us oh, yeah. of those events. <laughs> it's that. It's his job to remind us of that pain. It's his job to remind us how we've been wronged and all of those offenses. That, that's his job. Well, and, and the self-talk that we do to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. You know. That has been created by him, by our circumstances. And then we have to remember, you know, there's a spiritual realm and there's demons and the demonic, there's spirits who also want to talk to us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and it's like, who are you listening to? 
Are you listening to God, the Holy Spirit? Are you listening to the enemy? Are you listening to your pain? Are you listening to the deliverance that God has given you? And and if we go on that self-talk of that that yucky negative stuff, pretty soon we'll be back <laughs> we'll be sick we'll yeah. be angry we'll be resentful and 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 we can't be victorious no we can't if, we'll be and right so back we have to consciously think okay yeah. that's not a good thought that's you right. know i am worthy yeah. i am worthy yeah. yeah yeah and and your past is your past that's right that's in the past i <laughs> i have had even this week um just quick thoughts of, of things that happened 20, 30 years ago. And it's like, where did that come from? Uh-huh. That's the past. That's over. Yeah, that's and over. When, the, when the enemy tries to remind you of, of things that you've done wrong or things that, you know, um, where you've made your mistakes, things that you regret, things that feel shameful, you can say, I'm delivered from that. That's not the same person. I'm not the same person. No. I'm a new person. That's not me. Shut up, devil. <laughs> I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Come on now. Come we on. Got, sometimes <laughs> yes. we got to yeah. go there. And, and we got to do the warfare. And it's not a compliment for somebody to say, you haven't changed a bit. Yeah. Oh, well, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, that's not a compliment. I have changed a lot. Oh I don't know gosh. who that other person was. Some, Oh, I didn't, I didn't tell you about, and I know this is, our time, time is, is up. up. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. But, but. Well, I learned how to live as if I were two people. I was healthy, and I worked, and I did my business, and I did around other people. But when I drove in the driveway, I became somebody else. Mm. I became that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nobody, a nothing. Mm. I would take off my jacket. I would, I would pretend that I was... I couldn't do anything. And, and so in, in playing that game, and that's part of being codependent, mm-hmm. you know, that's a real illness within yeah. itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sue, thank you so much for joining me. Before we go, please share how can um, the audience get your book? You can find me on Facebook. It's yeah. Sue McGray, or you can go to uh, suezmcgray.com. That's S-U-E-Z, McGray.com. And just let me know that you want it, and I'll send it to you. Yeah, all right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining me today on Power Fuel Living. Stay tuned next week for another great episode. Join Lisa each week for faith-filled, spirit-led messages and interviews that will empower you to live your best life, spirit, soul, and body.